Hi, this is Tom from The Happiness Quotient. Thank you for clicking on this episode. If you've chosen to listen to some of my first episodes, 60 or so, they were created before I changed the name to The Happiness Quotient. Don't be confused if you hear my voice welcoming you to Baker Street with Tom Pollard or if you hear me referencing my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery, you're still in the right place. Until I'm a big star and can hire an editor and producer to change every episode to reflect the platform, my gut tells me you'll be okay with hearing Baker Street or Everest Mystery when you click on an episode to The Happiness Quotient. It's all me. So let's just consider us one big happy family where we all learn together brought here by our common interests and our desire to create a better world one episode at a time. I love you. Thank you. Now to the episode. Welcome to Baker Street. I'm Tom Pollard. Thank you for taking time out of your precious day to visit me at our cozy abode. It means a great deal that you're here. So pull up a chair, make yourself at home. Today I bring you a bit of a revelation that occurred to me in Havana, Cuba, in 2015 when I witnessed a mirage of my father who had passed more than a decade before. My father was a poet, an English literature major at Brown University. He instilled in me an almost surreal sense of the romantic, which, and this is for a future episode, I believe is what made him an alcoholic and tragically inspired the death by suicide of my brother only three months after his own passing. I call this episode On Being Ignorant, or Lessons Learned in Pursuit of Everest, where in 1999 I came face-to-face with George Lee Mallory, who disappeared on that icy mountain 75 years previously, last seen with his partner Sandy Irvin at over 28,000 feet. That was in 1924. Nobody had seen their bodies until we stumbled upon George Lee Mallory, on May 1st, 1999. The series of events that unfolded after that discovery jarred me awake from a dreamy sleep of ignorance. I'd been living a life steeped in idealism. If I was nice to someone, they would naturally be nice to me. After the discovery of Mallory, which made world news, front page of the New York Times, magazines competed for the coveted photograph of Mallory's back. Book publishers fought for rights to tell the story. I found myself the object of ire by a few, whom shall remain unnamed. A few who became the object of my ire for years, until... until... Seated at a bar in Havana, Cuba, I came to realize they were my greatest teachers. In that moment, I knew I was ready to begin telling my story, to begin writing my story. And that's what I have for you here today, that realization that to those who I believed had betrayed me, I owed my greatest thanks. (laughs) 
Before we get started, I hope you'll take a minute to find Baker Street with Tom Pollard on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to listen and click the subscribe button. I do not make a penny by doing this, but any support in the form of a positive review and feedback goes a long way. Music for today's episode comes from Stuart Miller, Natalia, Camilla, and other invisible entities. I found them on the Free Music Archive, and you can find them at egocide.com, E-G-0-C-I-D-E.com. Here's our episode. On being ignorant, or lessons learned in pursuit of Everest. Written by Tom Pollard. Prologue number one. This is the story of an unself-confident man. At the same time, of an egomaniac. Naturally, facetious won't do. Just to start at the beginning and let the truth seep out. That's what I'll do. Jack Kerouac, The Subterraneans. The Ambos Mundos Hotel, an historic timepiece in Old Havana, provides a full dose of inspiration for a mere two Cuban convertible pesos. Ernest Hemingway, one of Cuba's great treasures, lived in room 511 during the 1930s. More than 75 years later, I'm standing in the room where he slept and did his work, transfixed, unaware that a curator is talking to me. The room is said to be left just as it was. His perfectly made bed seems unnatural and faked, roped off on the opposite side within a small alcove. Atop a small table in the middle of the parquet floor is Hemingway's typewriter, and beside it, a few pages of handwritten notes. If not for the protective plexiglass box covering the typewriter, one might imagine that Hemingway himself just stepped out for a stroll, and for added effect, the first paragraph of his book, For Whom the Bell Tolls, is typed onto a page, still coiled in the typewriter. Inspiration arrives. I'll hide away in a hotel in Havana for as much time as necessary to unleash the contents of my book, drink a shitload of mojitos in the process, and be done in no time. It finally occurs to me that in order for this schizoid ADHD brain of mine to make sense of the disturbing events and tragedies that rattled my world, I need to be as far away from it as absolutely possible. I've been drunk on desire, yet desperately lacking the gumption to do anything about it. Sweltering Havana, I suppose, is as far from the death zone on Everest as one can get. No better place than here to get it done. The reporter in me grabs a visual snapshot of Hemingway's abode. It's perfect. At the same time, it hits me that a little over 20 years after Hemingway lived in this room, he would take his own life with a shotgun, coincidentally exactly one day after my birth. I head upstairs one flight to the rooftop bar and order a mojito. I've waited too many years to speak, avoided for too long the idea of offending others by telling the truth of what transpired on that mountain all those years ago. The time has come. 
sit down at that lonely typewriter and get started. The advice, my friend, I imagine he whispers to me as my mojito glass sweats in the sultry Havana afternoon, be fearless. Hemingway was once attributed to have said, there's nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. But I've come to find out he didn't really say it. For my purposes, however, I'll give him the credit. Drain this mojito, then another, and begin to bleed. Let me tell you what it is to fall in love with rock and ice over flesh and blood. To turn a blind eye to comfort for the sake of adventure. To yearn for warmth while traveling the yawing darkness of a bottomless crevasse. Have you been betrayed? Have you looked into the eyes of an almost dead man as he writhes in frozen despair? I'm bleeding now. Brightly colored chrome sparkling 57 Chevys cruise the streets of old Havana. The past stands still like an open window into which we can climb and have a look around. The ghost of my father, who didn't drink a drop for the last 33 years of his life, takes a bar seat next to me and orders another round. Uno mas mojito, senor? Si. Uno mas, por favor, y uno mas por mi papá. The waiter looks quizzically, as if I'm half-crazed, and he is not wrong. I've come to this warm and intoxicating place to tell stories of a cold and desolate mountain and of people who taught me important lessons, slapped me awake from my ignorance. I've died a hundred deaths in the mountains, fought with demons, wrestled with self-loathing, watched men die literal deaths, observed frozen, contorted bodies dangling beneath helicopters affixed to long ropes. One day, in the particulate nothingness of the death zone, my life was saved by a mirage that I believed was my 15-month-old son. He jolted me from an hallucinogenic haze, calling toward me as I nearly slipped to my death. And, on one incredible day, I encountered a dead man wearing tweed, silk, and leather, a man from the past, literally frozen in time. Soldiers don't get to choose when to go into battle, but climbers, we have a choice. That's what makes it so hard for others to understand. We grit our teeth, pretending to be brave, and stare deep into the cavernous depths of danger and the unknown. We seek answers to questions that we already know the answer to. We fashion ourselves as unique and one of a kind. But the truth is, we seek acceptance by isolating ourselves. We desire validation when we scoff at convention. We seek closeness by going away. The irony is that everything we're after is within our reach. Third Mojito. I remember the half-serious joke of my teenaged son, the same son whose hallucinogenic image saved me from my death. He told me not to come home until I'd tagged the summit of Mount Everest. News of my summit success reaches him as he walks into his senior prom. There's your summit, kid. So here am I, seated in a bar, whistling mojitos in a place suspended in time. I've traveled a million miles to tell my story. Let me begin at a place and time where it all started. 
my emergence from ignorance. May 16, 1999, 26,900 feet, Mount Everest, Tibet. In the observation of death, there before you appears another crystal of the meaning of life. Thank you for visiting Baker Street. If you like what you hear, please find me on Apple Podcasts, click subscribe, leave me a review, share this or any episode on your social media, spread the word with stories that inspire. Be well, stay healthy. I will see you real soon. If you're still here, please, I would love it if you checked out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Everest Mystery and my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery. Check me out. And as always, leave comments and share your thoughts whenever you can and share it with friends who might be interested in hearing or listening or watching. Thanks so much.